0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman and welcome to our latest podcast. This one is a brand new one I've just put together on the complications of optical colonoscopy and the role of CT in the detection and management of these complications. Now the truth is, colonoscopy is a very safe study. In the United States, up to 15 million colonoscopies are done yearly. Most of the cases are done for screening, looking for a potential polyp. Other cases are done in patients with known GI bleeding or suspected GI bleeding or a suspected tumor, but the majority are gonna be screening colonoscopy. In that case, the patient is doing well and complications, however, do occur. It's a very small percent but sometimes we're gonna be requested to do a CT scan to look for complications. So if you have to list the big complications, and I'll discuss them in detail, it includes hemorrhage. This'll be more frequently in cases with biopsy, but any colonoscopy can lead to hemorrhage. Large bowel perforation. It can occur, it's infrequent. Usually it's microperforations, but you can have significant perforation, most commonly the sigmoid colon. You can have splenic injury. We'll talk about that. You can have post-polypectomy syndrome. We'll speak about that as well. And there are reports of appendicitis or diverticulitis developing as a sequela of the patient's colonoscopy. Perhaps the procedure itself with compression and the whole process leads to some additional inflammation. And in patients who have Diverticular disease, that's fairly extensive. Occasionally, it will lead to acute diverticulitis, and there's reports of patients developing appendicitis, post-colonoscopy, but that's pretty rare. There are a number of articles, and there are two main articles I'm gonna quote. One article is from AJR from 2016, and the other article is more recently, 2022 in Emergency Radiology. In this article by Levinson, Post-colonoscopy complications that may be seen in patients in the ED include bowel perforation, postprocedural hemorrhage, post-polypectomy syndrome, splenic injury, appendicitis, and diverticulitis. CT is the imaging modality of choice in the ED across a range of complications, and although post-colonoscopy complications are infrequent, the radiology needs to be aware of these complications and the potential imaging findings to allow us to make a prompt diagnosis. Now, taking a step back, the NCCN guidelines, the American Cancer Society guidelines, all are recommending colonoscopy to screen for colon cancer. People think about the age, whether it's 45 or 50, for average risk patients. Virtual colonoscopy is one of the studies also potentially recommended. And one of the things people speak about with virtual colonoscopy is that you don't have some of the complications that you could potentially have with classic colonoscopy. We also talk about stool-based tests. Cologuard is one of the things. And a lot of the liquid biopsy stuff is being developed for early detection of colon cancer as well. So the whole process in the future many people will probably just get a blood test, and if the blood test is positive, then they'll go to colonoscopy. But colonoscopy, as I mentioned, 12 to 15 million patients a year. It's one of the most commonly performed endoscopic procedures, and it remains the most commonly used screening modality for colorectal cancer. Although serious complications of fiber optic colonoscopy are uncommon due to the technical advances of the technique, it does occur, okay? Complications can occur. The majority, the patients will do fine, but there are some complications that could be life-threatening, and so early diagnosis is critical in this article by Carolia, Now, in that article, they mention that the most common complications, hemorrhage and perforation, and less common include splenectomy, or splenic injury, which might lead to splenectomy, post-polypectomy syndrome, and as I mentioned, the rare events of appendicitis or diverticulitis. Unusual complications, pneumothorax or mental infarct, liver abscess, intussusception all of these are like case reports, but are exceedingly rare, fortunately. In the article by Levinson, they make the point that CT is very good for looking at the complications. So if we think about bowel perforation, both macro and micro perforation, CT is very good at detecting it. Most patients are gonna have micro perforation and can be treated conservatively. But all of the other complications are also ideal for a single CT scan. So if you have a patient who's post colonoscopy and they have significant pain, a ct is a good study to do now many patients co- post colonoscopy do feel discomfort fullness a whole bunch of things they've been prepped for a couple of days so there's a lot of things going on not every patient who has mild symptoms post colonoscopy needs a ct scan And in fact the number of patients who need a ct scan post colonoscopy is indeed very small and i'm sure your practice like ours we don't do them that frequently but often it's when the symptoms are extensive or when the colonoscopist knows they had some difficulty perhaps the patient had significant diverticular disease perhaps they had a redundant colon perhaps they had to push a little bit harder than they wanted to now in this article by Caria, post-colonoscopy bowel perforation is rare, occurring well under 1% of cases. Colonoscopy done for therapeutic procedures such as polyp removal, dilatation of strictures, or laser ablative procedures is associated with a higher rate of perforation and can be seen in up to 3% of patients. Now, When you have polyp removal, and we'll speak about that post-polypectomy syndrome, those patients are more likely to be symptomatic and also more likely to have complications. When you think about perforation, the most common region for perforation is the sigmoid colon, typically due to the acute angulation of the rectosigmoid junction. As diverticular disease and polyps more commonly affect the sigmoid colon, the incidence of mechanical and thermal injury in the sigmoid colon is also going to be higher. Bowel perforation may occur relatively rarely from optical colonoscopy, but again, it's something we need to think about, okay? Over insufflation of the bowel, biopsy, and what ends up being trauma are all possibilities. Again, the article goes on to say macro perforation. You can see lots of free air. You can see perforation of the colon. And when there's concern for perforation, um, you can give rectal contrast. You want to give it iodinated contrast that's water soluble. But typically, we don't need to do that. Um, I think in most cases, If there is a perforation, obviously you'll see the air, and then you'll be able to track where the air is coming from. Only occasionally will you ever give rectal contrast in that regard. And here's a patient with an impressive perforation, large pneumoperitoneum. Patient ended up having what was thought to be a pneumothorax as well. You can see part of a chest tube on the left side, but you can see very impressive air in the patient's retroperitoneum tracking around the peri and pararenal space and in the abdomen. This was a fairly significant perforation. You can see there's some positive contrast present, but uh, we did not see any active contrast extravasation. The patient was treated conservatively and did well. Intraluminal bleeding is a complication of optical colonoscopy. Typically occurs after a biopsy and polypectomy and is only rarely seen in the setting of a purely diagnostic exam. The, the reason you could have it from a diagnostic exam is the same thing. There's trauma or the patient has an AV malformation or angiodysplasia and the colonoscope hits it just at the right angle. So you can get intraluminal bleeding from inadvertent biopsies as well, hemangioma, AVM, or angiodysplasia, but also even without a biopsy, simply hitting the lesion can cause a problem. Um, intraluminal hemorrhage is the most common major complication after optical colonoscopy. And again, uh, the, the rate still between one and six of every 1,000 colonoscopies. So again, patients with polypectomy is more likely to happen. But again, I think one of the things I need to emphasize is that colonoscopy is a very safe procedure, particularly done in expert hands, but there still are complications. So here's a good example. This patient had bleeding post-colonoscopy, and in this case, there really was no biopsy present, so it was a little bit unsuspected that we would have a problem. Well, if you look at the patient's colon, particularly transverse colon, It's filled with fluid. You can see on the right side, there's some air here, which looks like some free air. You can see on the arterial phase imaging, there's active bleed in the patient's transverse colon. There's a prior infarct in the patient's right kidney. Here's the coronal views again, nicely showing you the active bleed in the patient's transverse colon. Again, here it is as we go to later phase imaging very nicely shown and particularly on the mip image so one of the things every once in a while you will see this ct is really good for picking up active bleeding it also emphasizes the point that if you were post colonoscopy and you only wanted to rule out a new peritoneum you could do a non-contrast study but if you want to do the best study post-colonoscopy, you need IV contrast. You probably should do a dual phase because one of the complications you're looking for is bleeding and bleeding you may only see on arterial phase or only see on venous phase. Doing both phases makes it ideal. So a really nice example of that. Now another patient had colonoscopy with biopsy and you can see in this case very nicely shown, and I'll show you a few more images, There's active bleeding in the region of the patient's splenic flexure, nicely seen here as well. And when you look at the coronal view, you can see the active bleed here. Again, um, this patient went to angio. It was embolized. I think sometimes when there's minimal blood present, they'll kind of hold tight perhaps and see if the bleeding stops. But sometimes, particularly in this case, you can see as you go to venous phase imaging, the bleeding becomes more extensive. Once you see increase from arterial to venous, I think people tend to worry more and will go to embolization. And you can see it very nicely here as well on the MIP imaging, the extent of blood present. And here it is again. So active bleeding, there's a clip here, the patient had a biopsy biopsy will have an increased incidence of bleeding it's still going to be a small percent but it's not zero and here again is the coronal view in the venous phase imaging very nicely showing you the extent of the patient's bleed and here it is again now another thing to think about is splenic injury now you say to yourself why would you get splenic injury from colonoscopy you're not near the spleen but yes you are because As you're going up the colon, you go into the splenic flexure. And the splenic flexure will vary, but it's pretty close to the spleen. Now, particularly in patients who've had prior inflammation like pancreatitis or diverticulitis, you can have adhesions between the bowel and the spleen. And so in those cases of the colonoscopy with a little bit more force, you could tear the splenic capsule. It's a rare finding. Uh, In this article by Levinson, they said there was only a hundred cases in the literature, but I have to admit, I've seen several cases. This retrospective study by Ha and Mitchkin found subcapsular hematomas to be the most common finding, followed by laceration and rupture. Now, Most of the patients will have minimal amounts of blood present, others may have significant. Patients can be treated conservatively, particularly when it's a subcapsular hematoma. Obviously with laceration or with splenic artery pseudoaneurysm, you'll be more invasive. Again, it's really rare, but it does occur. And the cases where it occurs, the surgeon or the endoscopist will tell you after that they had some difficulty perhaps Uh, going around the splenic flexure. Perhaps they were a little bit more forceful, uh, but they had to be to get around there. And sometimes they'll recognize that things were very tight. The common signs and symptoms of splenic injury are abdominal pain, left shoulder pain due to diaphragmatic irritation, peritoneal irritation, and hypotension. So although it's very rare, it's one of the things to think about. Why again, my point about doing A CT in a post-colonoscopy patient needs IV contrast. Um, It's interesting when you look at some of the articles, although it's rare, a colonoscopy is the most common cause of iatrogenic splenic injury in comparison to other procedures or surgeries. The risk factors for splenic injury are both patient and operator dependent. Patient-dependent factors include pre-existing enlargement of the spleen, adhesions, IBD, and severe diverticular disease. Operator-dependent factors include placing the patient on their back, excessive traction, over-sedation, slide by advancement, and applying excessive external pressure. Again, it's rare, but I know endoscopists are very careful because it is something they do worry about. So again, just something to mention. And I did a search of the literature, and you could see there's mainly case reports, but it does happen, so it's something to be aware of. Again, it's a rare but serious complication in this article by Serhan, which is from more than a decade ago. Now, what's interesting, and the literature does make that point, and this article by Serhan says it, often the diagnosis is delayed because people don't think about that. The patient has some left upper quadrant pain. They just assume it's from the colonoscopy. Once you have a drop in hematocrit you worry about bleed but you also have to worry potentially about splenic injury. And you can see obviously lawsuits are something we don't control. Some lawsuits are deserved, most are not. But you can see I noticed this when I was looking up information about splenic injury and colonoscopy. Patient who suffered ruptured spleen during colonoscopy due to doctor's alleged use of excessive force reaches $1.1 million settlement with doctor. Okay, so these things do occur, and everyone tries, of course, to be as careful as possible and avoid them. And here's just a nice example. Here you can see laceration of the spleen large perisplenic bleed, subcapsular blood, very nicely shown on the axial images. This was post-colonoscopy. Patient had severe left upper quadrant pain. The CT scan was done. You can see here the arterial and the venous. You can see the laceration very nicely and the large amount of subcapsular blood. This patient eventually underwent a splenectomy. Here it is on the coronal views, very nicely shown. And here it is again, as we go to venous face imaging. So a really good example. Now, this was a trickier case. This patient had pain, pulse, colonoscopy, and so they worried about a perforation. The patient was given oral contrast because the patient was allergic to IV contrast. And you could see, at first, you don't see a whole lot. And let's keep looking at the scan. But then when you get down to the pelvis, this is blood, and although You're not seeing any active bleeding. There's no IV contrast used. That's blood in the pelvis. And when you look up toward the spleen, there is some blood present there as well. Here's a few more 3D images. Here's the patient again. There's high density. That's blood. The patient had injury to the spleen and bled. Now, in this case, the patient was doing okay and so the patient was managed conservatively but there's the blood present again even on the non-contrast ct the ability to see the blood is very nicely done by narrowing the window again a really good example and again splenic injury from colonoscopy with pelvic blood this patient was scanned three days later you still can see the blood present but it's significantly less the patient was doing better Was watched carefully and no intervention was done just again something to remember splenic injury can occur even in the best of hands and here's just a few more images showing we felt comfortable the blood in the pelvis was decreasing the blood near the spleen was decreasing and not increasing so conservative management what was was chosen now a couple other things to mention post Polypectomy bleeding can be classified as immediate, intraprocedural within 24 hours, or delayed up to two weeks. Polyp-related risk factors for bleeding include polyp size, location, and morphology. Right-sided polyps have an increased risk of bleeding after polypectomy compared to left-sided polyps due to the thinner bowel wall in the right colon. The larger size of the polyp over a centimeter Cecil polyps and polypectomies in patients on anticoagulant therapy increase the risk of bleeding. Here's a nice example of a patient who had a polyp resected, right colon. You can see the clip here. And then you see post-procedure, the patient has active bleeding in the right colon. You can see it as you look at the coronal views. We have some contrast in the bladder from additional study but there's the active bleed. Remember, we always like to look at MIP imaging. When we're looking for bleeding, you can see the clip here from the polypectomy and the active bleed in the patient's cecum and colon. This patient eventually had to have uh, embolization of this bleed because um, the patient was becoming a bit hypotensive and the hematocrit continued to drop. So a very nice example and one of the complications Here's the venous phase. You can see pretty active bleeding, which is why the patient went uh, for angiography. So it's an uncommon complication, but it does occur, nicely shown in this example. And again, cecal bleed. So one of the things that you should find out if you're doing a patient post-colonoscopy, did they do a biopsy? Did they do a polypectomy? And where the polypectomy was? That'll help you pick up subtle sources of bleeding. The last thing I'll mention is about post-polypectomy syndrome, also known as post-polypectomy electrocoagulation syndrome or transmural burn syndrome. It's an uncommon complication in patients undergoing polypectomy but it can occur. It's a transmural burn injury to the colonic wall due to electrical current applied during polypectomy. It is uncommon, but you can get pretty impressive segmental concentric mural thickening of the colon with a stratified enhancement pattern. You can see perforation. Usually, it doesn't perforate, and in most cases, this can be managed conservatively. And again, as I mentioned at the start of this talk, there are unusual post-colonoscopy complications from appendicitis, diverticulitis, pancreatitis, and on and on. I guess maybe perhaps the patient had a process going on before the colonoscopy and then we were able to find it because post-colonoscopy the patient developed symptoms. But it is rare, but it's something to think about. So if you're looking at a patient post-colonoscopy, I'm looking for bleed, I'm looking for perforation. But I'm also going to look for all of these other things make sure you're not missing something that perhaps you're not thinking about because you're looking at the colon look at everything else as well so concluding then colonoscopy complications are uncommon but they're real from hemorrhage to perforation to splenic injury to things like post-polypectomy syndrome and unusual other causes of an acute abdomen Colonoscopy is one of the most commonly performed endoscopic procedures and is a critical tool in the evaluation of colorectal cancer. The good news is complications are rare, but as radiologists, we'll often be called to look for these complications and so understanding the possibilities will make us more successful. And with that, I thank you very much for your attention.